Shalom and blessings. This is Pastor Clifton McDowell Sr. here at the Church of God of East New York, located in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray this week's sermon blesses and encourages you for the journey. God bless. Now enjoy the sermon. Well, saints, we're still in the series of John, and we'll be doing that series for a while. I am assigned to I am the resurrection today. I'm going to ask that you stand again as we turn to our Bibles, or you can look on the screen. And we're going to read John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to read it from 1 to 26. And it says here, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they say, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus is falling asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Adonis, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? You may be seated. May the Lord add a reading to the blessing of his word. My subject for today is Jesus is a life-giving spirit. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, it says, And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son has not life. We know that Jesus gives life to everyone that believes in him and has surrendered their lives to him. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Jesus is a life-giving spirit because he was victorious over death and the grave. Oh, glory to God. Jesus submitted himself to the death on the cross and allowed them to bury him in a tomb. Even though he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy this whole world and set him free. But he didn't do it. Why? Because he loved you and I. He, his love for this world. Amen. But on the third day, he rose victorious. And because Jesus lives, he can give us Life also. Amen. Saints of the most living God, we have received this life. So the question is, will you let this life flow through you? Not only today, but throughout all eternity. Oh, glory to God. We can say, Abba Father, I believe in you. When you died, my sins died with you. When you were buried, my sins was buried with you. I identified with you in the grave. And when you rose from the dead, I was in you, so now I have access to your resurrection power. Amen. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. So Father, give me power to serve you and the people you love. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my very soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. The song while they say when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, hallelujah, we're going to have a grand time. Hallelujah. Jesus is a life given spirit. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Perhaps the greatest transformation Jesus performed was to move the doctrine of the resurrection out of the future and into the past. Martha was looking to the future, knowing that Lazarus would rise again and she would see him. Her friends was looking to the past and asking, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? But Jesus tried to center their attention on the presence. Amen. Wherever he is, God's resurrection power is available right now. Glory to God. Amen. In Romans 6, 4, it says, 
we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that Jesus, as Christ, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen. Glory to God. Many Christians are between us. Many Christians are called between us. They live between Egypt and Canaan, saved but never satisfied. Or they live between Good Friday and Easter, believing in the cross, but not entering into the power and glory of the resurrection. Amen. The word of God is true. Our union with Christ assures our future resurrection after we die. But verse 4 teaches that we should live for Christ. Christ's resurrection power is today. In Christ, we have eternal life, even though we are not yet living in eternity. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And no longer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, glory to God. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a life-giving spirit? Amen. What a deep and amazing testimony Paul gives here. Before anyone can receive a new spiritual life, he must first die. That is, his old self must die. Amen. It must be placed on the cross. To be crucified with Christ means that our old sinful dies. Our old sinful nature, it dies. Amen. Then Christ's nature and character can fill our lives. Glory to God. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, enter us. And through the Holy Spirit, we receive the power to lead holy and righteous lives. Glory to God. But it is not us. It is our old self that is living. It's not us. It is Christ who is living inside of us. Our old sinful self is dead, saints. Glory to God. We are free of it. We are no longer under the power of our sinful nature. Amen. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Can we also say that about ourselves? Amen. Let each of us ask ourselves, who is living in this body? Who is living in this body? It is my old self or is it Christ living inside of me? Glory to God. This is the real meaning of the Christian life. It is Christ living in the believer's life. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. Because Jesus lives in us, we shall be able to live like him.
then other people will be able to see Christ in us and want to become Christians too. Glory to God. Jesus gives that spiritual life. Amen. Paul says, I want to know him. I love this about Paul. He said, I want to know him. Glory to God. Paul wanted to know him personally. The same should be for us. When we became a Christian, it was not the end. Or when Paul became a Christian, it was not the end for Paul, but the beginning. His experience was Christ, was with Christ, was so tremendous that it transformed his life. You remember Paul. His name was Saul. He had received letters from the high priest to go and bring Christians bound in chains to arrest them, some to be persecuted, some to be killed. Paul was standing there holding the clothing or, or guiding the clothing of those who stoned Stephen to death. And while Paul was on the master's road with these papers, something happened. A light shined from heaven and he fell off his beast. And God began to call him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? Saul didn't know what was going on. He said, who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said, I am him who thou art persecuted. And so ever since then, Paul's or Saul's life would change, and his name would change to Paul. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And so we see Paul. It was not the end of him. His experience with Christ was so tremendous that has transformed his life. And what he did to Paul, he can do to us. He can do to our family, he can do to our friends. And this experience continued in the years to follow. It was a personal experience. I want to know Christ. As he walked with Christ, prayed, obeyed his will, and sought to glorify God's name, Paul said, I want to know him. And that should be everybody's prayer. I want to know him. Amen. Glory to God. I want to know him. When he was living under the law, all Paul had was a set of rules. Under the law, Paul had a set of rules. But now he had a friend who stood closer than a brother. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus is a life-giving spirit. He gives life. Jesus paid the price that only love could pay on the cross. He paid that price. That only love could pray. We will never understand the extent of Christ's endure on our behalf. We will never understand it. But the principle of his sacrifice is illustrated in a story from American history. And some of you know the story. In a tribe of Native Americans, someone was stealing chickens. And I love chickens. The chief declared that if caught, 
the offender will receive 10 lashes. When the stealing continued, the chief raised it to 20 lashes. Still the chickens disappeared. In anger, the chief raised the sentence to 100 lashes, a short sentence of death. Finally, the person stealing the, ch the chickens was caught. But the chief was faced with a terrible dilemma. The thief was his own mother, the one who had bought him, the one who had carried him, the one who had raised him, the one who had fed him, the one who had clothed him was his own mother. When the day of the penalty came, the whole tribe gathered. Picture in your mind, this whole tribe gathered. And this is the chief mother. The whole tribe gathered. Would the chief love override his justice? The crowd grabs when he ordered his mother to be tied to the whipping post. The chief removed his shirt, revealing his powerful stature, and took the whip in his hand. But instead of raising it to strike the first blow, he handed it to a strong young brave at his side. Slowly, the chief walked over to his mother. Picture this. She's wrapped around the pole. The chief walked over to his mother and wrapped his massive arms around her in an engulfing embrace. Then he ordered the brave to give him the 100 lashes. Saints of God, that's just a small glimpse of what Jesus did for you and I. In love, he became our substitute and died in our place. All of our sins was upon him. Every sin that you have committed, every sin that you will commit, was on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on that cross. Every sin. Amen. He overcame our inability to save ourselves. Yes, in love, he became our substitute. And yes, in love, he died in our place. But he overcame our inability to save ourselves by paying the price for our sins. So in the illustration, a mother's life was extended by the substitute of a loving son. For us, everlasting life was brought through the priceless death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. And God wants every one of us to live with him. He don't want to see anyone perish. But we have a choice. Rather to choose him or to choose hell. It's up to you. Everyone standing.
everyone standing. We have a choice to make. And we can either make the right choice or the wrong choice. Somebody may say, man, I, I messed up big time. I don't think the Lord can forgive me. God can forgive you. No matter what you have done. He loves you. If you was the only person on earth, God would have died for you. Don't you know that? He would have died for you. That's the love that he has for us. Let us bow our heads. Our Father and our God, we give you praise. Lord, we thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. You took all of that filth, all of our sins upon yourself, and you nailed it to the cross. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We could have been dead and gone in our graves, but you spare our lives. So, Lord, I ask to God, even for those who have not made up their minds, that you will speak to their hearts, that your Holy Spirit will convict them even now. Even now. For you say today that you hear your word, hearten not your heart, and the word has been said. The word has been brought out. And there is no excuse for anybody. Nobody can make excuse. So Lord, we ask for your forgiveness in the name of Jesus. If we have sinned, that God forgive us. If we have hurt somebody, forgive us. If we have said something that we shouldn't have said, forgive us in the name of Jesus. Help us to be like you. Help us to walk in the Spirit. Where the Spirit will lead us and guide us and teach us to love one another. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Wow, that was a great message. Thank you for joining us this week. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and tag us in your social stories at C-O-G-E-N-Y. Thank you to those who have given generously to this ministry in the past. And if you'd like to become a contributor, head over to cog-eny.com. That's cog-eny.com. And just click on the offering and donations tab. Again, thank you so much. Now God bless.